Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. We are heading into a Halloween weekend here. Um, So we're kind of gearing up for that. Lots of candy, lots of stuff going on. It's nice and chilly here, and... We are starting our top 100 today, so all kinds of anticipation happening. Yep, so many games to talk about for the next 10 weeks. It's so nice. That's true. But then also, I was looking at the list, and I'm like, man, there's, like, I think some of it, and when we talk about it, it we'll mention it, but it's the indicator of, of just how many good games we have, and we have played, and we've heard from, from people um, that... All these top 100 are games I would absolutely play right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'd play every single one of them right now. Not at the same time, but, you know. Well, yes. But when we first started out, at the bottom of my 100, I'm like, oh, these games I I will guess I would play. And now I'm like, shoot, my top 200 are games I would absolutely play. Yeah, I mean, I ranked up to, I think, 450, and I would play the top 200 anytime. For sure. It starts to get a little, like, there's some good ones sprinkled in the others, but the top 200 are pretty solid games. Yeah. Um, So more on that later, but let's start off with a little bit of news. Games that could eventually make it to the top 100. Uh, This week, I only have two to talk about because we've got so much going on. Um, And because... Dang it. Like I'm I've I'm looking at other places. Um Mike is doing a great job, my news correspondent, and looking at Kickstarter and Backer Kit and um GameFound. But those some of those sites are difficult to navigate, number one. And number two, I don't understand what companies are doing when they're making like a a funding campaign, a crowdfunding campaign, because they freaking won't tell you how to play the game and they'll start out just being like here's what's in the box i'm like what do i care what's in the box if i don't know if i even want this stupid game because that's where the money is what's in the box it's so frustrating to me because i want to know if the game's good or not i don't want to watch 15 videos from every empty out there that thinks they need to get paid to talk about games no thank you give me the facts ma'am so again I'm a little jaded by the whole crowdfunding business, but it is, I know it's a key part of game, the the game atmosphere right now. So I just think um, we need to demand more from Kickstarter campaigns. Anyway, Soapbox put away. The first one I want to talk about is the newest set of games from BoardGameTables.com. They've had some really neat ones in the past. They kind of do a lot of these really smaller kind of footprint games, but a lot of them have turned out to be really fun. And some of these looks like no exception. So this Kickstarter has Roll to the Top, Pollen, and Big Top. And Jason mentioned that these are all like re-implementations of games that previously existed, which is fine. Um, Roll to the Top is where it's a roll and write. Imagine that. But you're actually working up to the top of these different like landmarks. So the Eiffel Tower. um, I'm trying to see what some of these landmarks are the pyramids at giza um what is that thing i'm glad you're doing this because outside of the Eiffel tower i'd probably have no idea (laughs) Uh, i mean they tell you the names somewhere but i'm just looking at the ones i can see um it's very the writing's so small it's hard to read that might be a henge um 
but you're using the dice. There's also an action die that can kind of change things up, but you're kind of essentially climbing up, rolling up to the top of these different landmarks. And you can combine the numbers on the dice and you've got like uh, a six-sided, a 12-sided, and it looks like a 20-sided, I think, that you're rolling. And maybe that looks like a eight-sided. Several polyhedral custom dice. You can add those numbers together to enter into your landmark, but you have to be careful because your numbers have to increase in order for you to be able to move up the monument. So if you have like a little square on the end and there's something above it, you could put like a larger number there, but otherwise you just make sure you keep all your low numbers at the bottom, which can be tricky. And um, everything has to increase as you move up, which I think is a nice little take on that. Pollen is a Reiner Canizia game. It's a reimitation of the some, some kind of samurai card game you mentioned earlier. Yes, samurai card game. Yeah. yeah. That was his. Um, and Best Sobel actually did the art for this one, though. And it's these pretty flowers. And you are, like, playing these flowers out. You are, um, like, so you plant them, essentially. You want to attract, like, pollinators. So there's, I don't know all kinds of bugs. There's a butterfly there is a honeybee and a, a June bug. I'm like, a bug I don't know. But the June bug is green. I'm used to seeing them not quite like that color. Uh, and so you're trying to attract them to your your flowers and you're surrounding them. Um, so like you can pollinate then as you expand your play area because you're adding more flowers to allow that. And then you're trying to get this perfect mix of the different insects in your little flower area. Again, neat little puzzle. Very pretty. Um, I think a lot of people really enjoy that. And then finally is Big Top because who doesn't love a circus theme? This is reimplementation of a Japanese game. Um, where it's a it's a it's a bidding game. So you've got these auctions, and you're like trying to get attractions into your circus, but also when you take a performer or a certain circus act, they ha- they will then dictate what you have to bid in future rounds in order to actually like utilize them in your act. So there's some interesting, like kind of not a ton of things to do, but yet interesting choices that I think is in- like, I think it's a cool thing, a cool way to look at it. That's like the three to four player. Again, these are all small kind of casual little games, uh, but the production quality, very, very good. So if you've liked some of those boardgametable.com games in the past, I would definitely check out Roll to the Top, Pollen, and Big Top. Um, you can get Roll to the Top and Pollen for $39 a piece. You can get Big Top for 19 Or if you want all three, which you may, <laughs> you can get them all for $89. And yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, we've had some. We really liked um, Mountain Goats and On Tours from them. Like, they have some really cool little games. Sequoia is good, too. Mm-hmm. The Roll to the Top one, I think, looks really cool. I like yeah. that idea. I mean, they did, just did another three of these. It had, like, a bear basketball game. I don't remember what. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost of Christmas, I think. Uh, there's so many good ones. They, they keep doing these, dropping three games at a time. Uh, we have the On Tour expansion coming here soon which I'm pretty pumped about. Board Game Tables is really getting some really good small games, 
and knocking them out of the park. So if you're a fan of small games that aren't breaking your budget, I mean, 89 bucks for three games, that's amazing. Yeah, and the component quality is really good on these, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're good at making tables, so they're just shifting that over to a, <laughs> a smaller uh, smaller package. Right. They've also got, like, an expansion for a couple of those. Um, so this Kickstarter itself has lots of kind of mix and match options. So if you're interested, definitely check out what the backer kit has for that. The next one is thematic. It is perfect for this Halloween time and it's called Dreadful Meadows. But for some reason, it's not just Dreadful Meadows. It's Dreadful Meadows, the deluxe edition. I don't know why, because I think they actually have a separate deluxe edition of the deluxe edition. Whatever. In Dreadful Meadows, you are growing candy. And every all the people that are growing candy are like these really like fun, creepy, like a pumpkin head guy and a cyclops and a skull woman and a ghost lady. So they've got these really fun characters and you are basically laying tiles down to grow your patch of like candy producing fields, which <laughs> I think is really cool. Then you have your own sugar sprites that are your workers. They're going to go out and they're going to grow the crops on those fields. Um, When you pull them off, you're going to trigger bonuses. You're kind of moving, purchasing tiles and placing them and growing them. Um, There's player powers. There's these concoction cards that you can go and fill up with the different candies that you produce to get extra points. The artwork is really cool. The sugar sprites are are like, like kooky, adorable little things. Again, this, I feel, is a failure on this Kickstarter because it is very difficult to see exactly how the gameplay works. But um, you're going to get, like, really great character depth. Like, there's these double-layered boards where you can store your little sugar sprite workers. Um, They've got this exclusive character guy who's made out of leaves. He looks awesome. Um, Oh, you get harvesters that are going to go through and help pick your candy. They've silkscreened the sweet the candy that you make you get some game trays to put it all in it just looks like an adorable game i love that spooky but not creepy theme like i really like that it looks adorable i wish i knew a little bit more about it other than like it seems to be worker placement and like contract fulfillment but i like those things there's also an expansion in it as well and there's like a tile tower as part of the expansion, which I think is cool too. So lots to look at, lots of things that seem really enjoyable about this game. So check out Dreadful Meadows. Uh, there's six days left in that Kickstarter as well. And the deluxe edition, which is the base pledge for this, is $50. Yeah, it sounds cool. It would be nice if they would uh, put that uh, playthrough information up forward instead of the components. Because I don't care about components. I want to know how a game plays. Yeah, having a cool, creepy theme game is always interesting, so sounds fun. All right, so on that high note, that's all I have for news. All right, so let's move on to some games that we played. We were originally going to talk about three, but in the interest of time, we're bumping it down to two. So we do have a whole pile of games that we played. We could talk about seven. So, huh, what do you think about that? Probably more, but we're going to do two. Uh, And the first game we're going to talk about is a game that... Uh, could have been on last week's episode, which was the episode about regret not backing when it was on Kickstarter or, or not or just missing out on it, and at least for me. And it's called Don't Go In There. Uh, and this is a game from Road to Infamy Games, same company that does Canvas, I believe. And this is a little game where you use the box as a dice tower, 
And what you're trying to do is you're sending your little meeples into one of these three locations to try to collect cards. At the top of each location, there's three different cards you can collect. And then based on where you go, if you want to pick first, it's a little dangerous. But the farther down you go, it's a little less dangerous. And once the the location has three meeples on it, it will fire off and it will start activating. Then based on the die symbols on the card, you're going to throw that many dice into the dice tower. And then if the little faces come out, those are bad. If you're not protected from the faces with a flashlight, you take a ghost. Having the most ghosts is bad. And what you're trying to do ultimately is get all these cards to get like some set collection bonuses. And you're trying to have the least amount of curses, which is this little hand at the top of the, the board, and you win the game. But if you have too many ghosts, you're going to add curses for, for every two ghosts. So it's just like a, a set collection, dice rolling, silly little fun game. Uh, it's actually kind of tricky to get the cards that you need to go together, and but it's a good time. So I really enjoyed this so much that I found a copy on the market, the geek market, and it should be here today. So that should tell you my thoughts. It's good. Now let's hear what Katie thinks about this one. Yes. It, in fact, it made it to my top 100 outside the 100 list. Um because I liked it so much and I'm excited that we're going to get it because it's fun. It has a cool theme, especially for this time of year. Uh, the dice can glow in the dark. The little ghosties are uh, totes adorbs, but it is, you know, simple place. One of your meeples on one of the um, locations when there's three meeples there resolve, but the cards and how they interact with each other and trying to like cancel out as much curses as you can while still having to keep collecting cards, um, and like watching how many ghosts you have versus everybody else. Like, I love that. Like just getting that all to work together. It's a really great puzzle. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, the glow in the dark dice. Amazing. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Not that you're going to be playing the game in the dark because you can't see, but it is cool. Um, so the next game we're going to talk about is actually a cooperative game. And I wanted to play this. We played this with Mike. We had a whole bunch of games that we played with Mike this past weekend and both of these are those and this one is called the loop and this is a cooperative game about i think the theme's like time travel or jumping through time i don't know you're you're looping around in time but effectively what you're doing is there's this little cube tower thing in the middle of the table each of the the turns you're going to flip this uh card it's going to spawn some bad guys and then uh depending on what section mr foe or whatever his name is is that his name he's a doctor he didn't go to evil <laughs> doctor school for eight years to be called mr <laughs> that's true dr foe whatever wherever um f- section he's facing in you're going to drop two cubes plus however many bad guys are in there and it's going to spill out the cubes in either his section or one of the two adjacents next to him based on how they've hit the cube the cube tower and then you're going to take a bunch of actions you have some cards in your hand you're going to be playing these cards moving around the board trying to clean up the the clones, I think is what they're called. Um, removing red cubes, getting green cubes out on the board, getting more cards in your deck to try to fulfill these different missions on the board to win the game before a lot of craziness goes down and you lose. Um, it's a slight deck builder, um, sort of. I mean, you're going to acquire a couple cards throughout the game, maybe. And then you're going to have those better cards to use throughout the game. And you can play your cards over again if you do some looping where you use these green cubes, if you have certain symbols on your cards. It's it's a pretty fun little game. Um, it's pretty brutal. It's a cooperative game, so it has similar features as uh, some other cooperative games. But I like the art, and I love the cube tower. So that's kind of why I wanted to play it, because of the cube tower. So probably not my favorite cooperative game in the world, but it was enjoyable, at least to me. So how do you feel about the loop? Um, 
like I, I like the like kooky theme and the colors and uh, the funny cards. But like I've said before, I'm not big on games that are real mean and this to you. And this one's real mean. Um, not that, you know, it's terrible, but it's not my favorite cooperative. I would say that. Um, I think there's some really interesting things going on. You really have to balance all your actions and you really have to work together through fellow players um, to kind of sort things out. It's not like the more, I don't know, it wasn't a bad game. I just personally would not own it and I would not choose to play it again, but I would play it again if somebody really wanted to. Is that not committal enough? Like, I don't I don't particularly love co-ops, co-ops anyway, but I, I kind of feel the same way. Like I would play it because I love the cube tower and, you know, I, I love gimmicks, but yeah, it's not one that I'm going to want to play every third day or whatever, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Okay. All right. So those are some games that we played. We're going to keep moving along. All right. As we discussed at the top of the episode this is the beginning of our top 100 so we've gone through uh jason did a lot of the hard work he keeps track of all the games we play on bgg there's like very few that i play without him um there's probably more that he's played without me because he plays a lot like board game arena all kinds of online stuff that i do not do um Every once in a while, he plays games solo and stuff. So there are lots of games that he's played that I have not. We sort it into a list. We dump it into a ranking engine. And let me tell you, like, I think we have to match, like, almost, we have to go through almost 2,000 comparisons to get our top 100. So this is not an easy undertaking. And also, then when you go to make a top 100, you're like, oh, it's easy. You know, I rank games that I like. But once you see them kind of come out, next to each other you're like oh my gosh how do I rank this and so I think you'll see in our list like at least for me I ranked all games like which one do I really like what I choose to pick off the shelf over the other one and then after that kind of gets into like I like games that are like a, I would choose like a meteor like board game over a card game you know uh cooperative games and two-player games don't rank high uh, very high with me because i don't really like cooperative games and two players to me limits um like i like to have bigger experiences in gaming i i game for the social aspect um i prefer like deduction games and uh like deck builders over a lot of other types of games. So that kind of affected my ranking. And I was trying to be really conscious of it as as I I was looking at it. Because a lot of times, and it's bad for me, but if I have a bad experience at a game, because for me, games are so social, I tend to look on that game negatively in the future, even if I know it's a good game and I have enjoyed it previously. So I know there are a few games on here that the last experience I had was either kind of like ho-hum or not as great as I wanted it, and its ranking suffered f- for that reason. However, also, you plenty of people will say, well, you talk about blah, blah, blah game all the time, and it's not even in your top 100. Yes, because I think Jason said he pulled like 600 games that we have played in like the past year, or a couple years. I don't know how you did that. And I still miss some. Basically, since I've been logging on the app, I pulled that, plus anything that I have ranked on BGG, I pulled I pulled that because if it's ranked, I probably have played it. And then I filtered out some of the garbage and the nonsense and then went from there. Yes. So um, we have talked about it and I think we're really going to do it. We're going to do a video series for the top 100 outside the 100 
because again, like we said before, we play so many games and there are so many good games. So if you've heard us go on and on about a game, chances are it's in our top 200 for sure. So today we're talking about games number 100 to numbers 91. And Jason's going to start us off with his number 100. All right. So to go along with that uh, 100 beyond the 100, I also pulled out any games that we don't own. If it's not on our shelf as an owned game, it's not on my list. And I did not do that. I didn't have to do that. It's just something that I wanted to try this year to see how different it was. And I'll be putting out a separate video with some that made the top 100 that are not our games. So just a little house cleaning there. So number 100 for me is a game that I do really enjoy. We haven't played it in a long time, but I remember liking it a lot. And that is a game called Abyss. This is a Bruno uh, no Bruno Catala game where you're doing a little bit of push your luck to acquire these little um, creature cards with colors. And then you're going to be using those colors to recruit these bigger like leaders. And uh, you're using pearls as a currency and all that kind of thing. That's an oversimplification, but... It's a kind of a set collection game where you're trying to score a lot of points. It has really nice art. Uh, the box is kind of eh, but the art inside is really good. And it's a fun game. So one I'd like to play more. If I had played it more, it might be higher. But since I haven't, number 100, Abyss. Yeah, this is outside my top 100, but it is a good game. But since we haven't played it recently, that's why it has fallen, I think, a bit for me. Uh, my number 100 is a game that we didn't own for a long time. And I think Jason made a trade for it or something. And that is called Passing Through Petra. Um, I think this is by from Renegade. Yes. And in this game, like you're a citizen in Petra. And you're trying to grow your settlement. You're doing trading. Um, you're welcoming different types of traders. Kind of doing this economic engine. Um, the title comes through this interesting little channel, kind of. This narrow canyon, the Seek um, where caravans travel through the city, but you line up these tiles that go in between these cliffs. Uh, Petra means rock. So you're going between these rock cliffs, and uh, as they reach a certain point, you're actually able to draft them and use them on your board, trying to use them at certain times. There's a really neat mechanism for what action you can take. It reminds you of Vinos, where you're moving your person around this like three by three grid, um, and you can only go so far to one side, which is a certain action before you have to go to a different area in order to be able to move back. So I think that's, it's really cool. I like the engine that you can build with that, you know, looking at the timing, lining up your different types of merchants to be able to sell and get a bunch of points and stuff for them. I think it's, I, I just really enjoy that. Uh, so my number 100 is passing through Petra. Yeah, it's not, I don't think this is my 100, but I do like it. I don't know. I haven't really looked at my list too much, so I don't really know where, where things are. I, I would like to play it again. Yeah, it, it is a little bit better with more than two as well. So you need to try it at a little bit higher player count. So my number 99 is the first of many, many occurrences of Mr. Stefan Feld. And this is one that had I not been playing it on the app a lot over this past year, it probably wouldn't be on my list, but the app has made me like it a little bit more. And that game is called The Castles of Burgundy. And this is this is probably everyone's favorite Feld. I'm not in that boat, but it's a game where you're buying these different tiles or drafting these different tiles with dice, and you're putting them on your player board to try to fill up different areas and score points. That's effectively it, uh, and you're trying to do that better than everybody else to score the most points. It's a really basic, like, 
premise of a game, but the decisions are a lot and it's pretty solid. So my number one or 99, the castles of Burgundy. Uh, this is one that I suffered a bad experience with. So, uh, I don't think it's on my list. Maybe someday. Yeah. Once I, I give a replay. If you try it at two, I think you'll, you'll like it a little bit better or uh, three, not, just oh. not four. Yeah. I, I don't remember anything except, um, we were playing it with our friends and one of them became like the pig magnate and he just had a bunch of pigs. That is all I remember about this game. And also <laughs> that it took forever and I was bored and hated it. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> but I, I am willing to give it a second shot since so many people love it. I don't have a hard on for Steffenfeld, so I don't care either way, but <laughs> I try. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I'm not editing it out, so you better. Oh my God. I was, I was anyway. like, wait a minute. Did you, did you just say that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on to my 99. Uh, my number 99 is a little trick-taking card game that I just cannot freaking get enough of. It's adorable art. I'm from the Midwest, and I love Euchre, and this does trick-taking in an awesome way, and it's Hagakure. I want to play this game all the time. I force this game on so many people, um, especially non-gamers, because we are in an area, again, where lots of people play card games and trick-taking games. So it's about, um, there are only two suits in this trick-taking game. There are samurai and villagers. And the samurai are the trump. And you've got a few old fools who happen to be samurai, but they don't have numbers. And um, each turn, you're trying to get at least one trick in order to get points. Um, you're also using your Nabari tokens, which are tokens that have each special powers. And you only get to play them once during the game, once each time. So you're trying to leverage what's a good time to play it. When should I wait? And sometimes you get it wrong, <laughs> which I think also adds to it. Um, I love the Japanese theme. The artwork is adorable. I mean, adorable. Uh, for me, it's a must-have because I just am a big card game fan. So, 99 is Hagakure. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't know where this is on my list. I do like it. I just don't like it as much as you. I'm 100% confident of that. Me too. Uh, my number 98 is a game that I got in a trade. I saw a video of it, and it looked really cool. And I've played it, I don't know, four or five times, and I really like it. You know, not the greatest game of all time, but I like it. And it's called Livingstone, or Livingston, however you want to say it. Probably Livingston because it's a doctor. Um, and this is a push your luck game where you're trying to draw these gems out of a bag to get money, but that's not just the gist of it. You're drafting dice to take one of, I think like four different actions. You can build tents, you can get these cards that are going to give you really cool special abilities, and you can also donate money to the queen. And well, basically you have to donate money to the queen because if you donate the least amount of money, you automatically lose the game. So it's something that you can't ignore. The queen will put you in the, the guillotine and cut your head off. And uh, that, I added that theme. I don't think that's really what happened. She does not. That's the wrong queen. <laughs> yeah, it's Cleopatra. She feeds you to the sharks. Um, but this is a really fun game. It's push your luck. It's simple. Uh, it plays up to like five players, I think, too. So it's just, it's, it's a nice, lightweight game that I enjoy. So my number 98, Livingston. Yeah, I automatically got that out of there. It's not that great. What? Wait. No, I didn't even rank it. Ugh, you're the worst. My number 98 is a game I really like, and I'm surprised it's so low, but again, I have so many good games. And that's Picture picture Perfect. Um, this is from Arcane Wonders, although it might be with somebody else now, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the one I have is from Arcane Wonders. Uh, where you have these 
standees of different people who want to be around a table and have their picture taken. So you're arranging these care these characters um, based on the, the specific desires they want. Maybe they want to be next to the table. Maybe they want to be next to a certain person. Maybe they don't want to be seen. And it's like this really interesting puzzle. And for me, who is terrible at spatial manipulation, this game really works because I can physically move around the characters um, to try out different positions and see what's going to work and what doesn't, which um, I find makes it a much more extensible game. There's a lot of different, there's some, a couple expansions. Um, I, I don't love the expansions. I don't think they're necessary. There's also like these table decorations that you can use in like a bidding mechanic. I can't really decide if I haven't ever played with that because every time I read the rules, it seems stupid, but I might be completely wrong here. Uh, but just the basic standard game, I do really enjoy. Um, I, I just like that, that puzzle of, okay, this person wants to be uh, next to the table, but then they don't want to be next to this person, but this person doesn't want to be next to any women. So then this person has to be by the plant, but the plant, like, I, I just love that really cool puzzle. So that is my number 98 picture. Perfect. Yeah, I I do like this one. Again, probably not as much as you. And this, that game has no, no comparison to my number 97. <laughs> and my number 97 is a game that I didn't play when I was a kid. I wanted to play. Well, I don't even know if I wanted to play. But a lot of other people were playing it, and it's called Electronic Mall Madness. This game, it's just a, a roll and move, basically. But it has a gimmick in it where you push the the little electronic device in the middle, and it tells which player move, how many you're moving. tells you if stuff's on sale, if it's out of stock. And you're basically trying to be the first player to move around and buy so many types of things and get back to your car. That's it. Um, it's so much fun. It It shouldn't be as fun as it is, maybe because it's just something that I never got to play and I just enjoy silly dumb games but I love it and my number 97 electronic mall madness I did play this game a lot as a child and Jason is so much better at it than me um and I think because of that that's why you like it more yeah I, <laughs> I, I've I only do. lost a couple times I'm pretty good at this one um, my next game is a game by the Italians and I actually think it would maybe go up higher if I had chance to play it more and we don't own this one either um, but it's so interesting. And that game is Golem. Uh, so this is from Cranio. And there are a lot of interesting things going on in this. You are trying to, you have these golems. You want to move them along the track uh, so that you can get bonuses. You're sending them out into the world. Um, which again, like I, I think that this theme is really interesting based on like this old, an older like Jewish uh, like folklore. And so you have rabbis who are creating these golems and then you have the golems themselves that are going out, but you can't let the golems go too far ahead on these tracks uh, because then they're like running rampant in the city and they're too powerful. Um, you can also kill your golems and they actually, that's a good thing for you. And I don't think I quite have that down because I never wanted to kill my golem. I felt terrible at it. Um, but you've got synagogues and you've got uh ancient knowledge that you're collecting and you've got these really adorable like like chunky golems and your rabbis with their cool hats that you're moving around um you're managing your own player board as well trying to clear things off to get bonuses there as well as bonuses on the board like so many interesting kind of things happening in this game and i think with more plays it would definitely move up higher so that is my number 97 golem yeah it's a great game 
if I owned this one, it would be uh, pretty high up on my top 100 for sure. Uh, okay, so my number 96 is probably a game that you like more than me. But because I haven't played it in a long time, it falls into the same category as Abyss. And it's just down lower than it probably would be normally. And that is Elysium. And this is a game... I don't even know who it is. Space Cowboys. Space Cowboys. Yep. And uh, this is a game where you are trying to rec- uh, draft different cards using these. Um, you have to meet some criteria to draft the cards. You have four pillars in front of you. When you draft a card, you got to get rid of a pillar, but you have to have the color pillar the card needs to draft it. And then you're going to put the cards in your tableau. They're going to give you a special ability in your tableau. But then eventually you're going to have to move them to Elysium. That's where they're going to score you points. So it's just a, a balance of how long you want to keep a card in your tableau. When do you want to move it to your Elysium? All that kind of thing. And you're going to do that over a certain amount of rounds. Whoever has the most points is the winner. It's a really simple game, but the decisions are fun. The pillar usage is really interesting. And yeah, I like it. So number 96, Elysium. Yeah, if they only get an expansion for this. I like this so much more than you. Like you, I can't even see your ranking from where my ranking is. Like it's. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I figured. Uh, my number 96 is another game that we don't own, but I really enjoyed when we played it and that's Gutenberg. So for me, Gutenberg has like an excellent theme. Of course, I love a game about bringing the literature to the people. Um, so this is, you know, like the, the printing press, you Johann Gutenberg uh, developed it. So in this game, you're kind of working with that. Like you want to uh, be the best printer. So you're getting patrons, you're building up your workshop, you're going to get new fonts and inks and and decorations, like you get gears to rotate, which is like kind of a cool, I don't want to say gimmick because they're not like outrageously large, but they do really neat things. Um, You're trying to do like fulfill these cards to get as much points by um, having the right types of letter, like letter fonts and having the right colors of ink. And then just executing them at the right time. Like, uh, it's just a really cool game of bonuses. There's tracks. Um, it is mostly beige. There's definitely nobles. It's all the things that the Borger mechanics know and love. So that is why it is my number 96, Gutenberg. Yeah, this will be in my top 100 as well if we owned it. Um, so my number 95 is a game that we don't play a ton, but we did play it quite a bit there for a little bit and it's called istanbul and this at its heart is a game about walking around a map visiting locations and trying to score gems you're trying to be the first player to get five or six gems depending on the player count and you're going to use these uh you're as you're walking you're going to leave one of your little merchants behind as like a trail and eventually you're going to have to you know pick them back up or go back to the fountain and they all come back to you so you're trying to make sure that you can get where you need to go to spend the gems, to get the gems, to get the resources, all that kind of thing. And just get to those gems for everybody else. It's a fun little game, cool little puzzle of trying to figure out where to go and how to do it. And I like it. So my number in 95, Istanbul. Man, I'm having trouble reading. <laughs> uh, that is in my top 200. Um, my number 95 is one that I assume is higher on Jason's list because of his intense feelings for Steffenfeld and that is Trajan. Why'd you say that word again that you said before? I, I have since censored myself and tried to be appropriate. Um, so in Trajan, like I don't, the theme is Roman and you're trying to like get different kinds of influence or something. Don't um, give but it. There's, there's no theme. <laughs> you have these different colored um, 
cubes in this rondelle. And it's kind of, you have a Mancala um, movement of them and you're trying to get like colored pieces to match these bonuses. You are using the number of colored bits in um, like to get a number of actions to associate or a number of like, it's the time track. It's the time track. Oh, so you're picking what? up the, the discs from the tray, moving yeah. it around and that's going to move the time along of the game. So the oh, more right, discs right. you pick up, the quicker the time goes. But it doesn't have anything to do with like, uh, empowering your action to like no it doesn't you just take the action whatever bowl you land on is the action you get to take so trying to decide like which pieces you're going to pick up to end in what bowl because you want to take these actions you can build you can trade you can take forum tiles you can uh use military you can influence the senate um or you can place trajan tiles and so trying to get the Mancala like cubes to work out to the right actions you want to take at the right time while also maybe trying to hit bonuses with the same color uh, is a really cool puzzle. It's also, I don't, we played it too. So it wasn't very long, which um, I mean, you still have some really kind of tough decisions to make, but I didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. But I, I just like some of the mechanics that are in it. So that's my number 95, Trajan. Yeah, even at four, it still moves along pretty quickly, which is pretty nice. Um, so my number 94 is actually, I don't think it was on my list last year because I don't know if I played it last year. I don't know that for sure. And it is called Lucky's Misadventures. And this is a weird little deck building game where um, you're using your deck to simultaneously pick three cards from your hand that everybody's going to reveal. Then you're going to do a couple, like, I don't know, hand comparison things to try to acquire cards. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get different cards in your hand to be able to build pieces of machinery or something. And then there's even a possibility of getting one of these, I think, three or four instant win conditions by getting certain cards in your hand and then playing them at the same time to instantly win the game. But if you can't do that, which is probably not going to happen, whoever has the most points in their deck at the end of the game is the winner. So it's a deck builder with a quirky theme and some little bit different mechanics, but I, I do enjoy it. And that is number 94, Lucky's Misadventures. This is actually outside of my top 200. Um, maybe we need to play it again. Because, uh, I mean, it's I like deck builders. It's a little it's a little weird. I, I don't dislike it. I think that's why I like it because it's weird. It stuck. It sticks with me. I think. Yeah. Um. My number ninety four is an oldie but a good goodie. It's essential, and there's a reason why it's essential, and that's viticulture. Um. I. I like. I think there's so many thematic things about this game. Um. Worker placement, going and getting, you know, building up your fields, getting your grapes in there, harvesting your grapes, making your wine, aging your wine. And finding the sellers and making money off of it. Um, money is tight. Um, I love when you pick like what time you get up because getting up early lets you go first. But there are some advantages to sleeping in. Uh, I, I like that choice. I love just even the basic like uh, little beads that go over top of the different um, ages of your wine. Uh, I, I like the cards, the card component in it, the different cards that you can get that can give you one-time bonuses that can kind of give you um, different types of like continual actions. Like I, I just, I just really like it. We have the essential edition, I believe. Yes. And we have Tuscany as well. Have we played Tuscany? Yes. 
that's what we played with Joel the first time. But yeah, we haven't since we've gotten. I don't it remember from that. Meyer, so. we haven't used it yet. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean testing probably is good, but I don't remember that. Um, but I like the mamas and the papas. You know your fields. There's uh, visitors. There's lots of things going on here. It's but it's still a solidly like family weight game uh, with a really like nice theme. I like the art. Uh, I just think it's a good game. So that's my number ninety four, Viticulture. Yeah, I'll probably be talking about this in a few more months. Um, hmm. So yeah, my number ninety three is actually a what's your game game that I've played. I think two or three times, and a couple times by myself as two players because that's how I like to roll sometimes. And this game is called Railroad Revolution. And this is a game about, I mean, building railroads, obviously, but also the Western Union line and also trying to move up tracks to score points on that Western Union line in your rails. You're also trying to build um, train stations at these different locations to get extra points as well. So you're taking different colored work, different colored meeples. You're going to put them on your board based on the color that they are. It's going to allow you to take the main action and potentially a bonus action of that space. And then you're just trying to be as efficient as you can, score the most points as you can before the game ends. It's uh, as far as what your game games go, it's a little lighter. I mean, it's not light by any means, but it's solidly medium and pretty good game. So my number 93, Railroad Revolution. Yeah, this is one that I have not played. Uh, My number 93 is another essential game. An early one in our collection, but one that I still really, really love. And that is Five Tribes. It's a day's wonder game um, where it's Bruno Catala also, because we love the Brunos around here. And it has this really great, like they say, like, oh, Arabian Nights kind of theme to it. Um, We've got these tiles and you have these different colored meeples spread out. On your turn, you're going to pick up all the meeples from one spot and drop them one by one onto other tiles. The last one that you drop, you take all the tile, all the meeples of that color and you perform that color's action. And so it's in a, in a way like worker placement, but yet you don't have your own workers. You're taking them from the main board. So if you clear off a tile, you can place like oases. You can um, place like a, a little turret thing. I don't know what they're called. I should remember, but I don't. I don't know. It's like a castle or something. I don't know. Yeah, my brain's fuzzy. Um, you're placing those, which are also going to give you points. You can put out camels, which are going to give points. Um, you can, some of the meeples will give you gins, which have special powers that are awesome. They also have points. Uh, you've got red meeples that are assassins. that will take out other people's stuff. You have some that will let you do a set collection mechanic. We are trying to get things from the market. Um, you have elders that are just straight up points. No, viziers. Viziers, yeah. The elders, viziers you are- can use them to buy things. Ah. Uh, all of them like and and i love this again because you can go into it with a different strategy and all those strategies are totally viable and i love that my personal strategy i go the gin route and then i just start or i liked gin route slash viziers to get me some victory points like i i don't know there's just so many jason loves to do set collection and i also like to pick the assassins and kill all the yellow guys too so you can't get them Yes, it's annoying. It makes me <laughs> irritated. So then I get my genies to protect my my viziers, or I get them to be worth double points so you can kill half of them, and I don't care. True. But 
there are there's such great strategy. The only problem with this is that you can't technically like really think about your turn before it's your turn. You can kind of think about here's what I want to do, but then you have to find the tile that has the workers that allow you to do that. But I, I love that puzzle. I like that, that that really cool technique. And I like that there's just multiple paths to victory. It's super good. And that is five tribes. Yeah. And I'll be talking about this more later. But at the beginning, pretty much you can take any action that you want. It's just yeah. later on in the game where it becomes more of a challenge. Um, so my number 92 is actually a, a little box, a little card game, and it's called Tricky Tides. And this is actually a pickup and deliver game where turn order is based on a trick-taking game. So at the beginning of every turn, we're going to do some trick-taking. We're going to play a card down. The card is going to do a couple things. It's going to have a monster on it that you may get to activate if you're the last person, the lowest person of that suit. And it's also going to provide you with which direction you're able to move your boat. So the higher numbers, the more directions you can move your boat. The lower numbers, the least amount of directions you can move your boat. And you have to move it that way if you can. So then you're going to be playing, going in turn order. You may move a monster, spit out some cubes. And then you're eventually going to move your boat to an island. Either pick up some cubes there, put it in your storage, or fulfill a contract that's on that island to score points by putting cubes back in the bag. It's a really simple game. There's going to be some events that come out. I think you play over three rounds or something. It's pretty quick and just a good time. So my number 92, Tricky Tides. Yeah, that's my top 200. Uh, I like the artwork a lot on that one. My next one, we also don't own this game. And Jason played it once and absolutely hated it. And then we played it again at like... What, one? How many of us played? One, two, It was three. five or six, I think. It was a lot, a large number. I'd say at least six. Um, and that, and it was, it was fun. And that game's, it's called It's a Wonderful World. And so this is a game where you're drafting cards um, to try and kind of get an engine going to get different resources um, that you're going to use for construction or that you're going to use to try and produce victory points. And for me, like, I think that this is one that requires multiple plays. I can see why Jason did so badly his first time, although I... I mean, I, let's just not use this as an example. I do bad a lot, a lot of games. Didn't do that bad my first time, but it wasn't great. Because I think at first you're not sure, well, what kind of cards do I want to keep? Uh, what makes sense to keep? Um just kind of learning some of the ins and outs at the beginning. Um, you're really trying just to develop up your production power. It's just, just great engine building, which I really, really enjoy. Um, that's I like that kind of puzzle of, of how do I make this work the best and what can I keep and what can I get rid of and what's going to net me the most. I really like that. I'd like to play this more. Um, there might be other games that are kind of similar to this that I probably like better, but... Um, the times that we have played it, I thought was really good. So that is my what number 92. It's a wonderful world. Yeah. The first time I like to just black out that one. Like it didn't happen, but the second time was really good. Uh, this is a fun game. I don't know if I made my list, but that second play was infinitely times better. It can't make your list because we don't own it. it well, I could make my top 100 that it can, it, it could be other places, but it's just not my top 100. Okay. All right. So, uh, my number 91 is a game that, we did play for, you know, we played quite a bit at when we first got it, and now it's just kind of sitting there looking at me, wanting to be played like a lot of other games. And it's called Rajas of the Ganges. And this is a worker placement game that uses dice as resources and requirements to be able to put your guy down in the space. You're, you're putting people down to move up on this uh, river space to collect bonuses. You're trying to 
use your guys to get different colored dice. You're using your dice to buy tiles to put on your little player board to try to build different paths all around your board to back to the palace. And you're just trying to do all that as efficiently as you can to have your money track and your prestige track or points, whatever. I don't know what it's called, but your um, it looks like a, uh, what's that called? Um, what's that animal called? Peacock. It looks like a peacock track. <laughs> like, I don't know. You're telling the story, so, man. So you're trying to move one way with, on your points track and the other way on your money track. And once those two tracks intersect, the game is over. You play through that round. And then whoever is the farthest away from each other, meaning, you know, the difference between your two tracks is the winner. So it's a, it's kind of a race game sort of, but you don't want to just focus on money or points. You need to kind of focus on a little bit of everything. So very fun game. Good art. Nice um, dice. Cool first player marker. I like it all. So number 91, Rajas of the Ganges. We must remember this game very differently because it's like a top 20 game for me. I'm sure we do. We remember a lot of games very differently. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. But when I remember I have, them at all. But a lot of my later games are going to be a lot of Marty Wallace games and you don't really like him. So, oh, you know, I had to make room for my Marty. Yeah. My number 91 might be one that's really high in your list. And I think it's it's dropped this low because I had... Yeah, this is criminal right here. A couple experiences that were just kind of like, meh. And that game is Lords of Vegas. Uh, in Lords of Vegas, you are uh, getting properties and then building casinos. You are theming those casinos. And then you are trying to make, like, hope the cards come out to make money on those. Because, again, you're all about making money in Vegas. We also have the expansion that allows you to build casinos up, which is really cool, especially when you have a lot of players, like the higher player counts. We don't have the super fancy, um, like, briefcase edition, but we do have some little upgrades for this game. It's fun. We played it a lot. There's some pushing your luck with trying to take over casinos. Like, it's, like, kind of a fun, like, there's a little bit of take that elements, but they're, like, fun and lighthearted. Everyone gets into the theme. Um, again, it's a really good game. The last couple times we played it were at really large player counts, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, um, I, I don't think it's as fun at those higher player counts, for sure. Yeah, I think I think three is a good a good three, place. Yeah. yeah, three and four feel good. Yeah, um, but it's still a really good game, really fun. I'm so glad we have it. I absolutely enjoy it. It was much higher on my last year's list. Um but I've just played a lot of good games and kind of rethought about what kind of games I want to play. And this just isn't grabbing me as much anymore. So my number 91, Lords of Vegas. Yeah, this will be a couple months away for me, too. I, <laughs> I, I do love this game. It's so good. It's so good. Do you want to give a quick recap of your 100 to 91 list, if you can read it? Yeah, let me try to read. Reading is hard. Um, my number 100 is Abyss. 99 is The Castles of Burgundy. 98 is Livingston. 97, Electronic Mall Madness. 96, Elysium. 95, Istanbul. 94, Lucky's Misadventures. 93, Railroad Revolution. 92, Tricky Tides. And 91, Rajas of the Ganges. And my number 100 is Passing Through Petra. 99, Hagakure. 98, Picture Perfect. 97, Golem. 96, Gutenberg. 95, Trajan. 94, Viticulture, 93, Five Tribes, 92, It's a Wonderful World, and 91, Lords of Vegas. So that is the first installment of our top 100, numbers 100 to 91. Um, I hope that you are looking at your own top 100, maybe even a top 50. Uh, we did a ranking through pubmeeple.com. Yes. 
Um, really nice, very helpful, seem like great people that are running that website. So I encourage you to, you could try and support them and rank your own games. You can rank lots of things, I think, on there, actually. Um, but definitely something to check out. I'd love to hear you share maybe your set of 10 from 191 if you've done those rankings um, or start thinking about it. Of these, t- of these 10 surprises, new ones to you, uh, tell us what you think. Find us on our, all of our socials, Facebook, hashtag The Riveted, our Facebook group. We've got a Discord chat. We have uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, the YouTubes. If you subscribe to our new t- YouTube channel, if you love this kind of top 10 like or list countdowns, we are going to start doing a video series, the top 100 outside the 100, because like I said, so many good games on those. Um, and when Chase and I are in a video, who knows what's going to happen? So you want to like, uh, subscribe, click on that bell, what have you, so that you know when we start dropping those videos within the next you know, week to two weeks. Yep, all that sounds good and correct and accurate and yes. I don't again, why did I stop to let you interject something completely inane? I don't know. I'm still I'm still my mind's still spinning from you saying that that word. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. It's not like we're gonna get a like an E rating on this episode of the podcast. No, we can say whatever we want. We can say F bombs if we want to. I just we just don't. Yeah, because that's not what we do. It wasn't even like bad. It was probably a little vulgar. Oh my gosh, you're making me feel so bad about this. Uh, that's funny. It's probably going to go in the subtitle. Not that word, but something about you being filthy. Yeah. Come back next week to see what kind of nonsense I'll come up with for numbers 90 through 81. <laughs> yep. I'm, I've been Katie the Shock Jock. <laughs> and I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.